So I never saw myself doing something like this. Uh, There was a time back in my early 20s where I had a blog of sorts where I would occasionally uh, share my political or philosophical opinions about whatever. But it kind of got to the point where I would look back at something I had written a year or two earlier and either feel like it was poorly written or just kind of embarrassed about it. Either it was too personal or too obnoxious or too arrogant. I mean, there was I could always look back on it and kind of pick it apart. And so I kind of distanced myself away from the whole blogging world and kind of limited my opinion sharing to Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, but I think there's also kind of a, a downside to that too because a lot of people get on Twitter not to be flooded with people's political opinions but to just talk about random stupid crap. I mean, that's the whole point of Twitter is to get on and laugh at stuff and be entertained. And sometimes I feel like, um, especially on election years where people become a lot more political, that I can kind of um, become divisive in a sense where I feel here's the problem with conservatives is, I mean, I I know that the typical way to be conservative is to be a little bit more laid back, um, less publicly opinionated. Um, and kind of more mature about the whole politics thing. And the liberal strategy over the last decade has kind of been to be obnoxious, loud, in your face, calling out other people's morals. Um, and the, the thing is, is that strategy has worked for them extremely well. Look at the shifts of policy, the shifts of public opinion have all kind of moved to the left recently. And so while I would love to be the cool, unopinionated, collected guy that kind of stays on the sidelines. I'm not sure if we can really afford to have too many of those. And as I look around at my peers, kind of assuming that role, I feel a need, whether that is substantiated in reality or not, I feel a need to provide a conservative voice. And so that's kind of my purpose of doing this, and I want to do it in a format that's not flooding your timeline with my tweets. And so in this way, you can either skip over this and we can be friends in other respects and not agree about politics, or you can listen to me and see if I have anything that might uh, be of your interest to hear. And so that's that's my purpose with this. Now, what I want to talk about today is kind of more of a, a general discussion about politics and the philosophy of... Um, people having opinions and and kind of the psychology that goes into it, because I've noticed some interesting trends that are kind of disturbing uh, on the way people approach politics. And uh, one of the things I've noticed is, I mean, let's face it, there's probably only 10 to 15, maybe even less uh, policy issues that people really even have opinions about. I mean, the obvious ones would be like gun control, abortion, income redistribution. Those are really the big three. And then anything that has to do with sexuality, of course, is like a a huge polarizer. But outside of like those general topics that can be subdivided, obviously, into smaller topics, people don't really have political opinions. When it comes to like uh, foreign policy stuff, I mean, yeah, there's war and anti-war, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's only a few select things that people really have opinions about, but There's still, I mean, you could probably say there's 10 of them. But what's interesting to me is a lot of these uh, topics are entirely 
I mean entirely unrelated to one another. For example, abortion and income redistribution. There's really nothing those two things have in common, at least on the surface. And yet, I mean, across the board, it seems to me like 99% of people will publicly voice their opinion on the same side of every one of those issues. I find that highly suspicious because it's almost as if you're taking a coin and flipping it 10 times and it lands heads every time. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to know that, that how, how small the odds are of that happening in, in an objective sense. In other words, there has to be some underlying reason, um, some underlying psychology as to why someone would happen to just have the same opinion or have, have the opinion on the same side of the fence on every single issue. And if you're one of those people, if you if you find yourself, maybe even you're not aware of it, but maybe subconsciously you have been siding with the same political party on every single argument, you have to start asking yourself, what is your motive to do that? And what I think is a strong motive, maybe not the only, but a strong motive for people to do this is the animosity they have for the opposite side, because let's face it, in this two-party system, although we have a very wide um, array of different types of personalities and different uh, morals and values, we've pretty much arranged ourselves into two groups. I mean, you have liberals and conservatives, and you have subgroups within those, but you mostly have the two groups. And these two groups have quite a bit of animosity for each other. And it's grown at an amazing rate over the last uh, 10 years or so. I mean, you can call Obama a great president if you want, but one of the best measures of a good president, in my opinion, is the degree of unity he is able to establish in the country, he or she, of course. Um, and Obama, I mean, you look at how much people freaking hate each other these days. I mean, people loathe each other in the political arena. It's it's terrible. And you you can't tell me that that's not the main motive for people sharing their political opinions. Basically, most of the time, I feel like it's this passive aggression uh, that it's kind of like you share your opinion and that's the socially acceptable way of telling the other sons of bitches that you hate them. And, and that, that's kind of the feel that I get when I see people lash out on gun control, when I see people lash out on income inequality, I'm not sure I get the sense that they care about those issues as much as they care about how much they hate the other people. That, if you really, you know, peel off the layers of this onion here, that kind of seems to be what's at the core of all this. And you can challenge me on that, but I'm sorry, the more and more I see this and the, the more interaction I observe over social media and the more um, polarization that begins to occur between these two sides, the more obvious it is to me that that's probably the main source of this division here. Take, for example, the events of yesterday. You have this radical Islamic terrorist, and I just want to lead this off by saying that I in no way endorse the opinions of Donald Trump and his supporters that the Muslim religion is in and of itself to blame. I, as a member of a relative minority faith 
in this country and as a member of a faith that suffered quite a bit of persecution back in its day, I am a huge proponent of the idea of religious liberty. That is at the very core of my most important beliefs and I would never wish that freedom to be diminished in any way to a member of another faith. That is of utmost importance to me. And it goes without saying that in every instance of my life where I have met or become friends with a Muslim, I have had nothing but positive things to say about those individuals. That said, what we had here was a radical Islamic terrorist with connections to ISIS who went in there and committed this terrible act. I can't even begin to fathom what it would be like to be out having a good time with friends and to have someone with that much hate come in there and blow everyone to pieces as if they were animals or something. I mean, it, it's, it is horrific. And the fact that people, that evil exists in this world is pretty depressing, even if they're few and far between. The fact that anyone like that could exist is, is mind-numbing. But that said, what, what drove me crazy, beside the fact of how evil this was and how terrible it was to think about all the families that woke up the next morning to news of losing their young kid or daughter to something like this, is, is, is so sad. I mean, you, you don't wish that on anyone. Um, but what drove me crazy after that was the reaction you began to see from the left. And it began to, it was kind of, not a lot of people came out and said it outright, although some did, but the the general sense as the day went on, as people began to speak about this more and more, was a passive-aggressive blame of right-wing Christians. It was their fault somehow that this radical Islamic terrorist went in there and shot up these people. And the, 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 the rationale for this was, oh, well, Christians uh, don't support same-sex marriage. Therefore, it is their fault that someone not even of their faith went in there and blew up this bar. I mean, are you kidding me? Is that how low we're going to stoop in our political discourse that these are the kind of accusations we're going to make? And the reason I bring this up is because it, it sheds light on my earlier point that I mean, everyone's talking about gun control. Yeah, I'm sure some people actually do care about gun control. But in my opinion, this was far more of a reflection of how much animosity that the left has for the right, the right-wing Christians. Because how the hell else would you come up with this strange narrative that this was the fault of right-wing Christians? It makes no sense. So what? They don't support same-sex marriage. They are entitled to that opinion. That has nothing to do with some son of a bitch going in there with a gun and shooting people. So if you're one of the people that has pushed that narrative, please shut the hell up. That is so destructive, and it just makes the animosity an even larger factor in our political discourse. Um, Now I want to talk about a little bit about gun control, because that's the topic being discussed right now. Look, I'm a conservative guy. But I'm not really a gun guy. I've never owned a gun in my life. I have a BB gun. Um, I think my dad has a gun. But I've never been a gun dude. I think I've probably fired like five or six guns in my life. 
I mean, I probably will get a gun at some point, but I don't have one now. Don't come uh, rob my house with that knowledge. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm not some gun nut, so don't, don't write me off with my opinions here. And to be honest, I'm, I'll just throw this disclaimer out there that I am actually pretty open to some reasonable gun control policies. But I want to talk about gun control for a second because people use that word as if there's some... Like I, when people say gun control, it's if, it's as if they think that there's some giant magnet out there, like one of those Looney Tunes magnets that that's shaped like a U that you could just drag across the country and suck up all the guns. I mean, how when you say gun control, how do you plan? I want to know. Please tell me how you think that's going to work. Where they're just going to pass some legislation, and then these tens of millions of guns that are all over the country are just going to get sucked up into this magnet. I mean, how do you plan to enforce that other than some kind of honor system? And we all know about honor systems and what type of people tend to obey them and what types of people don't, which would completely defeat the purpose of the gun control anyway. It's like you you go up to the criminal. So uh, we have here uh, written down that even though you're a criminal, you, you bought your guns in a legal way. Okay, well, now you need to give us these guns because we passed this legislation. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I was out shooting with my friends, and uh, I left it there. I couldn't find it. It's lost. Well, it's sitting under his damn bed. I mean, how do you... Unless you're going to invade everyone's homes, how the hell do you really think you're going to get these guns? Please tell me. Stop saying gun control is some blanket umbrella that's just going to take care of all of our problems. Even if we decided that getting rid of the guns was the solution, you have to have a means to get them. It, it's as if... People think that guns are like socks, that eventually they're, they're just going to go through the dryer enough that you're just going to lose them all, and they're all, they're, they're all going to disappear. That's not the case. In order to enforce gun control, not only do you have to get your hands on all the guns currently out there, you have to put a stop to all the black markets for guns, which is probably the, the main means by which criminals attain them. So it's a lot more complicated than just saying gun control, and it's like some Dumbledore spell and they all, all the guns are gone. It's not that easy, okay? So even if we did come to some kind of agreement about, okay, this is a reasonable amount of gun control, you, you have to have a plan in place on how you're going to enforce that in a way that the criminals are just as adversely affected with guns as the good people are. Otherwise, your gun control policy is shit, okay? So that that's the first point I want to make about gun control. The second point is... One of the scary things to me is a few years ago when conservatives would go out there and say the liberals want to take away your guns, you, you, got, you liberals had such a good time laughing at that, calling it a conspiracy theory. And you know what? I actually kind of, when you, when you guys would laugh at it and call it a conspiracy theory, I kind of wanted to believe you. But now, um, in light of an increased amount of uh, mass shootings more and more people have become confident in not just saying, hey, we need to get together and come up with some reasonable laws that can help uh, decrease the amount of bad people or mentally unstable people that have guns. Now it's more, we need to abolish the Second Amendment. Uh, the Second Amendment's uh, it, it's, it's not relevant in our day. You, just, you hear so many things that are more like black and white words about, I mean, these people reveal their, their agenda to really get rid of all the guns. 
And so we have to stop calling that a conspiracy theory because enough people on the left have absolutely expressed that opinion now that you can't call these people nuts for thinking you're going to take away their guns. And even if the current policymakers don't have any immediate plans to just take away the guns, eventually their policies are going to reflect the calls of the masses. And if the masses are saying, abolish the Second Amendment, there will be politicians there to fill that void because they will always be there to get people's votes. And so let's stop calling that a conspiracy theory. And second, let's pretend for a minute that we do go enforce some kind of gun control policy, whether it's uh, more background checks or whether it's uh, keeping the guns out of, you know, giving the government more power to investigate terrorists and, and put a ban on them obtaining guns or whether it's uh, putting an age restriction, which I think would be a good idea, because quite frankly, I don't think men in their early 20s are that mentally stable. And I think you might reduce some of these shootings, not all of them, but some of them, if these mentally unstable people didn't have immediate access to guns. I think with terrorism, it's a whole different ballgame. I think a terrorist will get their hands on any kind of gun they want, regardless of any kind of stupid restriction you put on it. But... One of my problems is, okay, let's say we go and act some kind of gun control policy and we still, oh, amazingly, continue to see mass shootings because legislation doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to stop, contrary to what people say. And let's, so let's say we do this and the, guns, the, the mass shootings keep happening. Are people really going to admit that, oh man, maybe we were wrong about gun control? Or are they going to say, let's double down on this? Okay, so they double down on it, and then five years later, we double down again and again, and we continue to see mass shootings, and we keep doubling down. Well, that eventually does result in all the guns getting taken away. That eventually does result in a ban of the Second Amendment. So stop calling it a conspiracy theory, because it's not. You can have your opinions about whether or not gun control is a good idea, but to sit there and laugh at people saying that the left agenda is to take away all the guns, you're being an idiot. And lastly... You know, I put myself in a situation where I'm in a public place and I begin to hear gunfire. The first thing that's going to go through my head is, well, crap, this is happening to me now. But the second thing that's going to go through my head is, I hope to hell that someone else in this area has a gun. Because at that point, it might be your only hope. And unless your gun control policy can guarantee that criminals or people who wish ill will on society will not get their hands on guns, I need the assurance that some good people will still have them. And the police alone won't be able to do it because they can't be everywhere. Okay, so that's my gun control talk for the day. And I guess that's how I'll wrap it up. I don't know how long I've been talking here or if anyone out there still listening to me. But uh, anyway, let, let me know what you think about this. Uh, I would love to do this on occasion instead of uh, flooding your timeline with tweets. So thanks for listening.